it's great for us to gather again, and uh, I think now we should thank God uh, for the weather getting warm. Well, maybe you already think it's too hot. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's sometimes becoming unbearable, but at least it has helped us as far as COVID-19 is concerned, uh, and we hope that it will stay that way so that we can really go through this uh, hot season without any, any problems. Well, we thank God for his wonderful presence, and uh, today we want to uh, study the Word of God. And my theme today, my subject is, trust his reliable word. We're just singing that God is truthful, and for sure he is truthful. He is uh, uh, always keeping his word, and that's what we want to study today. Let us uh, read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible reads here, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in trust. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2. Uh, these words have been written down about 700 years before Jesus actually came. So Jesus was talked about in this scripture uh, very, very clearly as the light, the great light that was coming and that has uh, dawned over the land of the shadow of this. Now, let me read also uh, the fulfillment in the book of Matthew, chapter 4 and verse 13. And the Bible reads here, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, here we have the direct link to what was said in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Okay, it was to fulfill what was said by the prophet. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And John chapter 1 verse 4 says, In him was life. Life was the light of man. That light was the life of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your living powerful word. Thank you, Lord, that this word is given to us as a guide. It's given to us as an encouragement. It's given to us, Lord, so that we have got something to go by in this uh, shaking world of ours. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can trust your word because it is always reliable. To you be the glory and the honor. Amen. Now, I want to speak about the word of God today. And, uh, of course, you know, we all know the Word of God. It's the Bible. 
Uh, we have read, read it many times. We read it uh, regularly. And that's very important. That's very important for our spiritual growth. Now, uh, I think it's important to also get the bigger picture. You know, God's word is reliable because God never speaks in vain. When God says something, it is not like what we see often in the world that we just say something in order to entertain somebody. You know, today we have an inflation of words. Uh, people speak every day and sometimes uh, more than necessary. Newspapers produce uh, an amazing swell of words. Uh, you know, in, in some countries there are hundreds of different papers and magazines and you wonder, you know, how much can be said every day? But it is being said, okay? Things are being uttered every single day. Now, news stories get old very quickly. And uh, most of the stories that uh, we see in the newspapers, in the magazines, are only good for the archives because they are getting old in a very short uh, passage of time. <clears throat> That's why, you know, we, we understand that most, most uh, especially newspapers, have a very, very short shelf life. They are there today. You have read the story. You don't want to go back to that story because it's, it's old. It's, it's no longer up to date. That is even more true on social media because on social media, often what is being said are not even stories. They are just uh, a swell of words, many times without any meaning, many times without any purpose or sense. And uh, obviously such words they will not last too long. They will disappear. Nobody will even remember them. Now, God has given us his words, these words. Okay? Now, this is an amazing word. You see, God is not producing every, every day something fresh uh, in order for us to, to get some new encouragement. In fact, that is the ever new word of God. It's the good news. And it is not, not getting old. It's new for every day. And that's what we must understand. Now, the words that are written in this uh, Bible are God's words. And they were written down over a span of 1,500 years, roughly. Okay? Imagine. No human being learn, lives that long. But because God is God, he is able to write a book and take 1,500 years for it. Okay? If you are trying to write a book and you want to take 1,500 years, your book will never finish. Because even if you are getting 150 years old, which I think nobody has lived that long in the, in the era in which we live, you know, you, 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 will, you will not be able to make it. So we understand our time span is very limited compared uh, to the Word of God. Now, this book was written by 35 identified writers, okay? Some of them are not identified, okay? Like the book of Hebrew, for instance. We don't know exactly who has written it. There are a lot of uh, proposals and ideas who could have been the writer. But nevertheless, you know, it is written down. And what counts at the end of the day is not who wrote it, but that we have it and that it speaks to us. Now, God has given us this word, 
<laughs> and it is an amazing library of 66 books. Okay, it's not just one book, it's 66 books. Okay? Even if we do not understand everything that is in the Word of God, and of course it is impossible to understand everything. I tell you, even the, 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 uh, the most scholarly uh, uh, theologians and students can never understand everything. Because we must understand that it is God who has written this Word. It's not a human being to whom you can catch up and uh, you can be on the same level so that at least you come to understand. We must understand God's word is written from a divine perspective. It is written from that kind of a perspective that has uh, taken into account not only 1,500 years when, you know, within the time in which we, this uh, book, uh, the, the Bible was written, <coughs> but even far beyond that, and that's why, you know, we are always going to be like children who are listening to our adult parents and who have uh, somehow difficulties to catch up with what are they saying, you know. Uh, if we were to understand everything that the Word of God is saying, then, then, we would be, uh, then we would be like God, okay. But we are still in the human frame, we are still in the human form, and even so we are children of God, we are still learning, we are still studying, we are still catching up. And obviously that is God's very good plan for each and every one of us, that we are not remaining where we have been in the past, but that we are going to catch up, that we are going to learn, that we are going to grow in our understanding of the living God. Because if we understand the word of God more, then we understand God more. If we do not understand the word of God, how are we going to understand the one who has written it? <clears throat> now what the Bible tells us uh, is very important of how these, these words were written down. Okay, now we are saying this is the word of God, but did God sit down with a pen or with a computer and write it? No, he didn't. So how did he do it? You see, there is a very good explanation uh, given to us in the book of Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. The Bible says here, above all, now that's already a very interesting uh, phrase, you know, above all, okay? So in other words, don't get disturbed by other things, but above everything else, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Okay, everything that God has written, he has written because God himself has been giving us guidance or giving those writers the guidance. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now that's extremely important for us to understand as an explanation. So the word of God is not just the book of Isaiah as we are uh, going to label it or the book of uh, Matthew or the book of Mark or the book of Acts. 
you know, and uh, we know that the book of Acts was written by Luke, uh, and the book of Mark was written by Mark, Matthew was written by Matthew, and Isaiah was written by Isaiah. We understand this. But in actual fact, they are not the originator. They are not the authors. They were just used by God to write down what God himself had decreed upon. So, above all, we must understand that these prophecies of scriptures have not come by the will of these men that I've mentioned or, you know, that have written portions of the scripture, even if they have written large portions like Paul. No, they have all just been recipients of the prophecy of God, given by the will of God, and God gave them interpretation through the Holy Spirit. That's what we must understand. So the, the word of God is an amazing word. And as I said, you know, God never speaks in vain. That's why the word of God is not becoming outdated, is not becoming old, is not becoming old-fashioned. There are some people who think they can judge the word of God and say, ah, it's just an old-fashioned word. Well, you will be surprised that one day this word will confront you and you will realize it's not old-fashioned at all. Okay? It is the most modern thing, the most modern word that you can ever get, you know, because the words that you get in the newspapers, they come and go very fast. But the word of God will stand forever. The word of God has been given to us to give us light on our path. And if you want to know more about the details of the word of God, it's a good idea to study Psalm 119, okay? Because throughout this psalm, you know, which is an amazing psalm, <coughs> unfortunately we cannot read it in its original uh, Hebrew language because then we would see that, you know, they are following the letters of the alphabet in this uh, wonderful new paragraph. But, but the, every time, you know, we read in this uh, wonderful book, the book of uh, Psalm 119, we read more about the truth of the word of God. An amazing book. Now, what we must understand is that time and space <clears throat> cannot hinder the word of God. Okay? We are very limited in space because, you know, we live one generation, Okay, or two generations. You know, usually it is agreed that the generations is about 30 years long, roughly. You know, that means we are living about two generations and a bit, if we are lucky, or even less. But then, you know, the Bible tells us that <clears throat> God has been giving us his word from time immemorial. You know, 1,500 years before you know, the last writer was writing, uh, they, were, they were, you know, writing under the guidance, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in order to pen down the word of the Lord. Now today we want to look at uh, two prophets, more especially two prophets and then the book of Psalms as well. Uh, and uh, these two prophets are Isaiah and Micah. Both of them lived in a very close vicinity as far as time is concerned, about 700 years before Christ. And, you know, time to God does not matter. When God says this is what is going to happen, even if it doesn't happen tomorrow, next year, 
in five years' time, in ten years' time. It doesn't matter because that God never forgets. So the fulfillment of the words of the Lord came about 700 years later. Is that an outdated book? No, it's a book that is very, very, very brand new, okay? It's always, uh, you know, very important to understand that God's word is current, more current than the newspapers can ever be. Because God's word is ahead of uh, the newspapers of this world. <clears throat> so uh, Isaiah and Micah, who have lived about 700 years before, made statements that are so amazing. And I'm just picking out a few of them because, you know, if we would go, especially in the book of Isaiah, we would have to do a long study today and be here for, for hours in order to understand the many different things that that were prophesied, that were given to those prophets to write down. Now, from an eternal perspective, 700 years is not much, okay? If you are living in eternity, 700 years is just a blip. For us human beings, you know, it should be about 20 generations, and that's a lot, okay? What do you know about the people who lived 20 generations before you, those, uh, you know, forefathers of of you, because of course, all of us have forefathers and have uh, ancestors, and we don't know much about them. Okay, maybe you know your 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 next your, your your generations of your fathers and mothers and your grandfathers and grandmothers, and maybe if you are lucky, great grandmothers and great grandfathers, and then thereabout, the whole story ends. We don't know really much about what has happened before that. But as far as scripture is concerned, everything is very clearly indicated, very clearly uh, written down, and uh, God does not forget what he is saying. So at the predetermined time, God's word will come to pass. It has come to pass in the life of Christ, and it will come to pass at a predetermined time when God will do certain things in the future. Now, we may not know the day, and Jesus himself says nobody knows the date nor the hour of his coming. So we better don't speculate about when Jesus will come back or what Jesus will do tomorrow, you know, because we don't know. But what we know is that God has spoken, and we know that God's word will stand and will come to pass, and God will fulfill his word. It will, we don't know but he will bring his word to pass. You know, the Bible says when the time had fully come, God sent his son. So in other words, nobody knew when the fullness of time was to happen except God himself. So when Jesus came, most of the people were not ready to receive him. They were not, not ready to open up their hearts and they were actually rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, because they felt, you know, the Messiah should look differently. He should be coming as a ruler, as a king, and not as a servant, not as somebody who was uh, actually laying down his life. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. So Jesus came to do exactly what the word of God had said. Now let me take you to another scripture <coughs> in, 
in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us, and again, you know, this was written 700, roughly 700 years before Christ came. The Bible says here, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, so you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now, this tells us a number of things. Okay, number one of, uh, of, 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 of uh, this passage is that Bethlehem will be the place from which the Savior would come. Okay? Now, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And we know that uh, Bethlehem has played a role. If you go to the book of Ruth, you will find out that even in the house of bread, sometimes there was famine. Okay, and... Uh, People left uh, Bethlehem because they felt maybe there are greener pastures elsewhere. But eventually, you know, the family almost died out. Uh, so only the wife of, uh, of uh, that man came back and uh, his daughter-in-law, that was Ruth. We, we know the story, so you can read it in your own time. I don't want to go into details. So Bethlehem is the house of breads. But it's not just bread in the natural, okay? There may be a famine in the natural, but of course what was more worse is that there were famines in the spiritual realm. You know, when you go into Samuel, Samuel, you will find out that the description of the time of Samuel or before Samuel came was that the word of God was rare in the lands. So there are always times when the word of God is rare, yet... You know, God wants to speak. God wants to be heard. And yet, very often, we don't hear him. Now, in Matthews, again, about 700 years later, in Matthews chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible reads, After Jesus was born, where? In Bethlehem. In Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of King Herod, Magis from the east, okay, those, those wise men as we call them, Magis from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now that's an amazing portion of scripture, okay? I mean, here were the people of Israel who had the word of God, who had the prophets of God, who had already most of the Old Testament written down for them to read and to study, and it, they didn't know about the coming of the Messiah. But there were people, wise men from the East, who came from there, and they are saying, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? Why did they know that? They say, we saw his star in the East, and we have come to worship him. Now, we don't know how God was giving them that revelation. We don't know how God was uh, speaking to them. But for sure, they had knowledge. They had understanding. They had an understanding that even the people of Israel who had all their revelations did not have. That's amazing. And sometimes, you know, don't be overconfident. I'm, I'm a child of God. God will always use me. You know, sometimes God uses somebody else and confronts you because you are asleep. And the people of Israel were asleep. 
They were not, they were not on the pulse of, 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 of the happenings at that time. They didn't hear from God. You know, they had the word of God. It was like, you know, yes, we have it. It's, it's somewhere uh, in, the, in the archives of our, of our scribes and our, of our Pharisees. They are reading it. They are studying it. And, of course, in those days, there were not books. There were rolls, you know, scrolls that they were reading. It was a bit more difficult to, to read. So, of course, they were going to the synagogues regularly, and they were listening to the word of God. But somehow it became a tradition. Much about why, how people have become used to go to church on a Sunday as a tradition. Not really to hear what God is saying, but as a tradition. And that's why sometimes God brings people from somewhere far in order to shake us up. So these wise men came from the east, and they say, we have seen his star. Well, <laughs> there are people who are reading stars, and we know that uh, we must not do that, okay? But nevertheless, God has a way to speak to people who have no gospel, have never heard any prophet speak, but God spoke to these men of the East, go and worship the newborn king. The king of the Jews, because he's not just the king of the Jews, he's the king of the world. Amen? And so they came to worship Jesus the Lord, the newborn king of the Jews, because they have seen the star in the east, and they knew that he needed to be worshipped, not just by the Jews, but by everybody. Now the Bible tells us here, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Okay, King Herod, he was a king. And he was not a good king, okay? Herod was quite a, a, a wild man, okay? And when he heard there is another king, he became very worried about his own, his own office. You know, he was, he was worried that uh, maybe he will be overthrown uh, because there was another king. So King Herod was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Okay, not only Herod, but the whole of Jerusalem was disturbed. So in other words, they didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't know what was about to happen. And of course, that is the reason why he was not welcome. The people who welcomed him were the shepherds who heard the message from the, from the angel and they came and worshipped him, but not the people who were supposed to have the knowledge from the word in the scrolls of the prophets. So King Herod, he called together all the people, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Okay, so when these uh, people from the East spoke about the newborn king of uh, the Jews, they knew this is the Messiah, okay? The Christ means the Messiah in, the, in Hebrew, okay? And they were now studying the scriptures by hearing that the king of the Jews is born. They were now studying where is he coming from? Where is he going to be born? And they were going into... The, 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 the scrolls of the Old Testament, and for sure they found the uh, scripture in the book of 
Isaiah. And they found what was written down there. And in the book of Micah. Okay, because both speak about that. <clears throat> in verse 5, the scribes and the, and, the, and the teachers of the law, they answer Herod. He's going to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. Amazing, isn't it? So in other words, they could have known. They should have known, but they didn't know until some people from the east came and says, we want to come and worship the newborn king of the Jews. Where can we find him? Because they were strangers from far. They, they wouldn't know the, the details. And they were given a very clear address, okay? Almost like Google, Google Earth, okay? Go to Bethlehem, you know, find the place, and you will be able to see that he's going to be there. And for sure. These wise men, by the way, the Bible doesn't say to us uh, there were three. They were wise men. We don't know how many they were, okay? Every time at Christmas you see three wise men. Uh, but uh, they were not three. We don't know how many they were. They could have been 20. We don't know. So they were going to Bethlehem. After all, they were given the address. They were given the, the, the street name, okay, so to say. And they were going to Bethlehem, and for sure they found Jesus. The people who had come all the way from the east, and we don't know where the east was. It was not Chipata for sure. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was China. Okay. Maybe it was uh, somewhere Malaysia, somewhere there. It was definitely from far east. Or India. We don't know. Because if they were from Chipata, we would have to go first north. Okay. But these were not from the south, they were from the east. So finally, they found Jesus, they worshipped him, they brought their gifts to the king of kings and the lord of lords. And you know, amazingly, these people who we would call heathen, we would call people who have got no clue about uh, the scriptures, they found Jesus, the lord and the savior of the world. And they were privileged to be some of the first to lay down not only, you know, good words for him, but they were laying down treasures in front of him. These were the treasures that were required by Joseph and Mary later on to go into Egypt and live in Egypt for a number of years because they had no money. They were poor, okay? They may just have had a donkey. That's amazing. Now, the people who knew the truth, who knew the address, you know, the Google Earth, so to speak, okay, they never went there. These were the people who were saying, okay, if you want to find Jesus, go this way. But there are signposts, okay? You know, a signpost can stand there for 20 years and tell you this is the way. But the signpost does not have legs. Have you seen a signpost walking away? 
No, and that's what the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were. They were just signposts. I mean, if, I just imagine, if I think the way I, I, I think from my own perspective and I would have been there and I would have, I would have heard this, I would have said, hey, I want to come with you. I want to, I want to be part of, of your group uh, to, to worship the newborn king. But this didn't cross anybody's mind. The only thing they were told is when you find him, come back and tell him where he is. And of course, the idea was, you know, Herod wanted to kill that newborn king of the Jews because he was afraid that one day he would have competition and uh, he didn't want to have that at all. So, the Bible says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. And these people from the east, they found the shepherds. While those who knew the address never went there. Never took the trouble to take a step outside of their house and go to Bethlehem, which was for them not a very far distance, unlike for the wise men who came from a long, long distance from the east. We don't know how far. Amazing, isn't it? So what we can see is God fulfills his words. It may have been 700 years before that Micah was speaking and writing down these words, but finally they came to be fulfilled in the days of Jesus. So time and space do not hinder the word of God. When the time has fully come, God will fulfill his words. Now, the developments in our world are not controlled by us human beings, but are still controlled by him, by our God. You know, when God created, he created everything to take care of itself, okay? As you remember, God created trees, and they have seeds, and the seeds are going to make sure that that tree will never die out, okay? But will be able to sustain itself on the way forwards. And this is how we have everything that we have, you know? Uh, a lot of species of animals may not be with us today because, uh, you know, human beings have set an end to their species before time. Or others may have been dying out because of other uh, accidents like dinosaurs, you know, we are told stories of how they could have been wiped out. We don't know. but. The fact is that God created the world in a way that it will be able to sustain itself. Okay, we all know this, uh, these last few days and the next few days, uh, people are meeting in Scotland to talk about the climate uh, crisis that we have in our world and it's really a, a, a crisis. Okay, but somehow, it's like we are very slow in changing. Okay, we have set our ways and we are not we are not changing rapidly. We are very like some people who are telling us that maybe uh, the world will come to an end because, uh, because uh, we people are polluting the earth. And yes, we do pollute the earth. Yes, we are, we are doing a lot of damage to, to this planet earth. But let me tell you, God has created this earth to take care of itself. 
I read a study uh, uh, from, a, from uh, some scholars who have done a study about the, the, the Sahara deserts. You know, the Sahara Desert, we all know, is a huge, huge desert. But according to the, to the findings, that uh, has not always been a desert. In fact, about 6,000 years ago, the desert of the Sahara Desert was a grassland, was a fertile land. Okay, and even if today rain falls to Sahara, and sometimes it does, immediately everything turns green. Why does it turn green? Because there, is, there are seeds in the sand, okay? And those seeds, all they need is, 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 is water. And then it will, it will turn into, into a garden, almost, okay? But there was no sand at that time. You know, there are other areas, like what is today's Iraq? Uh, lots of this uh, country today is, uh, uh, has become a desert. But we know that in the days of the... Uh, Babylonians, it was a very fertile land. You know, it was a land with a lot of water. And uh, many of the very powerful uh, kingdoms, you know, this, this, the Persians, the Babylonians, and so on, they were having their kingdom right in that place because it was a fertile land. It was a rich land. But today it's a land which is almost deserted. And you know, if we continue deforesting our country, we will, we will have a, a desert in the end. That's why I think we need to really think again. We, we really need to start planting trees, plenty of trees, because where trees are, where, where, where uh, uh, that kind of vegetation is found, water will be attracted, the, the, the rain will come, because the earth works very well together. Okay. Now this study tells us, you can actually find it out, uh, it's a study, you can find it out on Google, that the rain bands that were there over the desert of Sahara have shifted away from the Sahara desert and went downwards where we are. Okay. Uh, whether there was rain in our place, I'm sure there was, but uh, now there is no more rain or very little rain in the days, in, in the places of, of the Sahara Desert. And it's a very, very hot place, okay? It's a very inhospitable place. My friend who has been crossing the Sahara several times, he told me that when they were frying eggs, they just cut the eggs, put them on the, on the bonnet in front, and they were, they were frying. Just on that, you didn't need to have a stove or anything like that, the eggs were becoming fried just like that. That's hot, isn't it? So what I'm trying to say is nature takes care of itself, okay? Because God has given nature a mechanism. And not just earth, but the whole of the universe is taken care of by itself. You know, God has given it the law, and it follows that law to the dot. And if, if people are trying to cause harm, the earth will know how to adjust itself. I could imagine that 6,000 years ago, you know, when there was grassland in the Sahara Desert and we don't know exactly what was there, who was there, uh, there should have been people, okay? If there were people uh, in other places, they should have been there also. But when 
It became a desert. You found that most people moved elsewhere, and only very few people remained, like the Bedouins, who are having certain oases, you know, where people are coming out of the, where water is coming out of the ground, where they are still living, and then going from place to place. Amazing. What I'm trying to tell you is developments in our world, as pronounced as they may be, and you know, today, uh, man's handwriting in this world is very, very strong, not always good, often uh, to, the, to the negative for the, for the planet of uh, uh, Earth on which we live. But planet Earth is able to take care for itself. After all, we are gone. In the next 100 years, I'm sure none of us is going to be here. Okay? I mean, after 100 years. Okay? I will definitely not be there. If you become very old, maybe you will be there. <laughs> but whatever the case may be, in 100 years, most of us definitely, maybe all of us are not going to be there. But Earth is still there. Nature is still there. And nature is powerful to take care of itself. So what I'm just trying to bring to you is the fact that man can never stand in the way of God. Okay, sometimes when you hear people talk about our latest developments and our latest technology, you get the impression that man has taken over, that man is now in charge of the world, that man is now controlling everything. But the reality is it is not true. If you have followed events, of course we had coronavirus and it uh, devastated a lot of things. And then, you know, there was a, there was a big uh, ship, a big container ship, which got stuck in the, in the Suez Canal. You know, the Suez Canal is that, that uh, part between the Indian Ocean and the, the Mediterranean uh, going uh, through Egypt there. You know, somewhere where the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Uh, that ship, huge container ship with thousands and thousands of containers on it, got, got stuck. It somehow twisted and got on sand on both sides and they couldn't get it out. It took them, I don't know how many days or weeks to, to finally get it out. But that caused a lot of problems in the supply chain of... Uh, our technology world, okay? Because the technology of uh, our world needs certain close down. Because they got the chips, the electronic chips, which come from Taiwan, most of them. Uh, they got them too late. They got other things too late. And eventually the things run out. Whatever, whatever they try to do to get uh, uh, more supplies again, it didn't work out. So you can see our world the so-called modern world that we have been building is very, very fragile. Very fragile. Okay, thank God we are still functioning well. Okay, our, our transport system is still okay. But the transport system of the Western world today is in shutters. In the UK, many of the supermarkets are not getting enough goods on their shelves because they don't have drivers, okay? And that now, you know, what started in the UK because of Brexit, it has now gone to other places as well. I've just uh, seen another report in the USA, it's the same problem, they are now trying to, to, to go to colleges and say, please become a driver. 
and they have schools which are going to tra train young people on a fast track so that they become drivers. I mean, if this is your, if this is your, uh, your, your idea of your, you know, career, uh, you can be employed straight away. Okay, if you want to go uh, and 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 get a job in the in the in UK or in 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 uh, America or Europe somewhere, be a good driver. They will employ you. You don't even have to run away. You don't have to become a refugee. Because the whole world is in trouble today because, you know, our system is vulnerable, very vulnerable. You know, we think we are so clever and we are producing new things all the time, you know, new technology all the time, but everything is just vulnerable, very vulnerable. So God is in control. You know, some people think they don't need to worry about the word of God because the word of God is outdated. But let me tell you, our technology that we have today will be outdated next year. Will be outdated in 10 years time. Will be outdated in 20 years time. Some of the things that are, you know, brand new today, modern, latest model today, in 20 years time, nobody wants to look at it. You understand that? But the word of God is not like that. You know, the word of God spans space and time. God has said, and even if you think nothing is happening, even if you think God is quiet, even if everybody thinks God has for forgotten us or he has uh, gone away from, from the stage of this world, hey, it's not true. God is very much around. And he will bring to pass what he has said he's going to do. When God speaks to you, you should expect it to come true. You see, I think it's very important for us to understand this. Uh, we, we need to be sensitive when God gives us his word. Now, let me try to explain. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that this word is the Logos. The Logos is the eternal word of God. Okay? The Logos, the word. Okay? It will never be changed. But then, the Bible also tells us about the Rema. And the Rema comes from the Logos. But the rhema is being applied to you in a personal way. Okay? The logos is ever true, whether you like it or not, whether people accept it or not, it will always be true. But the rhema is a word to you. And when God speaks a rhema to you, then you must take note of it. You must write it down. You must never forget it because God does not forget it. Okay? This is what happened to, <clears throat> to Mary. Now, interestingly, God says that he is speaking to every human being at least two times or three times. This is not the Logos. This is the Rema. Okay, so that means God personally takes time to speak to every human being. And you may not know how. I may not know how. But he does. In fact, uh, in the last few years when... We had so many refugees leaving their homes, especially Muslim homes. We have heard many of these people who came to find a new home somewhere in Europe uh, telling uh, stories about the dreams that God gave them so that they could recognize Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus as the, the great prophet. And it's amazing how God was speaking to people in such 
places who never had really the gospel being preached, but other religions were given to them. It gives you a reminder. And I believe that, you know, we who are under the word of God regularly, we hear God's rhema to us many times. Not just two or three times, but many times. Because we are exposed to the word of God in a very uh, advantageous way more than the people who are living in places where the gospel is not being preached. Now let me read quickly to you. My time is up, but I'm still going to read that. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13, the prophet Isaiah said, Hear you, hear now, you house of David. It is not, is it not enough to try the patience of Okay, God says he's giving us a sign. The people of Israel at that time, but even to us it's a sign. And he says, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, 700 years before Jesus was born, this was given to the prophet Isaiah. There will be a son born, okay? Micah said he will be born in in Bethlehem, he will be born from a virgin. He will be born to become the king of kings, the Emmanuel, the God with us, okay, the son of the living God. Now, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and that's now important because I want to talk about the rhema, okay? This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. Because John disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Okay, the name Jesus in, in uh, the Hebrew language is Yeshua. Okay, like Joshua in the Old Testament is Yeshua. Okay, give him the name Jesus. That is now the Greek name. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophets. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You all know that the angel came to Mary and spoke to Mary and the Mary had no words. He says, let it be as you say. Okay, that's a rhema. Okay, that's a rhema. And you know, when God speaks to you, Take hold of it. Write it down. Read it continuously, you know. Remind yourself about what God is saying because it's very important. Expect what God says to come reality in your own life. So we need to realize that the logos, the ever true word of God is a word that becomes personal to us in the rhema. 
as a rhema. So do not forget those promises. And you know, sometimes we are getting very uh, touched by a certain experience, by a certain word that God gives to us. And because we don't write it down, eventually we forget it. I want to encourage you, you know, try to remember what God has been saying to you. Because what God says will come to pass. Not just in general, but also in your personal life. That's why God wrote it for us. Okay? These things are not written just for, for fun. They are written to encourage us. They are written to give us guidance. They are written so that we can trust and believe that what he has said will come become true even in our own personal lives. But then do not assign a time frame to it. Okay, because that's sometimes our problem. You see, God told me this, it's going to happen tomorrow, it's going to happen next week, it's going to happen next month. You know, God doesn't work that way. God says, I will do this and he will do it, but the time when he, do it, when he does it is up to him. So don't assign a time frame to God's promises, but remain expectant. God has his own divine economy, and he will do things according to his plan, like we have in our theme this year, you know, that God is saying, what I have said, that will I do, isn't it? What I've said, that I will do. So uh, don't, don't doubt God, but trust him. Trust his, God, his word because it is reliable. Just imagine all these scriptures that I have shared with you, and there are others which I have no time to share with you. Please read it. All these words that God has spoken hundreds of years before the time came, they've come to be fulfilled. And that tells us that God can be relied upon. He's trustworthy. So his living words are always trustworthy and always true. God speaks, and often he is assuring us that what he says is trustworthy and true. Like in the book of Revelation, we have a, a wonderful passage of scripture, and I'm not going to go into details, but it tells us about the, the river of the water of life that is going to flow uh, in a wonderful way. And then, you know, uh, in verse 6, after the angel is giving all these powerful descriptions and gives him this, this wonderful vision uh, to, the, to John, the disciple, uh, then finally he says to him, the angel said to me, these words, aligning what he has already worthy and true. Okay? So it's like God is underlining what he has already said. He's uh, giving us a vow on what he has said. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Okay, now, when God says what must soon take place, it may be, it may be a long way off for you and me because we are only living a very limited time space, okay? Remember, it was about 20 generations or more between the time of Isaiah and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when God says soon, and it's three generations, then still more, it means you're no longer here. <laughs> Am I right? But it's soon, okay? So whatever 
uh, whatever God says will come to pass, except it will come to pass in his own time frame. And it's important that we do not forget that. When we find things impossible and breathtaking because what is being said seems to be out of this world, seems to be completely impossible to ever, to ever come to pass. Don't forget, these are the words of God. They are reliable. Don't forget that God is assuring us. Just like the angel said here, these words are trustworthy and true. You can stand upon them. You can, you can rely on them. You can calculate on them. You, you know that these words will come to pass. Maybe not at a time when you think, but they will come to pass. The world today thinks it can make fun of the Bible, and many people do. But little do they know that the Bible will still be there when they are long gone. Okay, the truth of the word of God will still be the truth of the word of God when people will finally stand before the throne of judgment before the Lord. Even a simple study of the few things that we have been looking at today tells us that it's impossible to predict 700 years early several details about the coming of a certain person. It's impossible. Okay? Okay? If I ask you, make a prediction what is going to happen in seven years' time uh, in your home. Okay, which means this is something you are familiar with. And then seven years later, I come back and say, okay, let, let me see what you have written and let me see what has happened. You will be shocked. Probably nothing that you have said is, is, is really what has come to pass. Okay? But not, it's not seven years, it's not 70 years, it's 700 years. Okay, that means generations have passed, generations have gone and come, come and gone, and the time is very different. So God is in control. God is fully in charge. So his word will come to pass, to pass at his, as, at his, as it has been fulfilled in many instances, okay? Like some of these things I've mentioned today, they have been fulfilled. <coughs> and other things that are not yet fulfilled, they will be fulfilled. So brothers and sisters, this is a word that is trustworthy. So trust his reliable words. It will never let you down. Okay? It will never, never make you stumble <clears throat> if you trust in him, if you trust the word of God. May God bless you. Amen. <clears throat> Let us pray. Lord our God, you are so amazing. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to be alive today. And while we were not alive 700 years ago or 2,700 years ago when the prophet Isaiah was around, we can yet read, we can yet study, we can see the amazing precision with which they have written down your word and how it was being fulfilled in the life of Christ and how many things that have come to pass 
have happened just exactly like you have said. Thank you, Lord, that even those things which we are still waiting for, the things that are outstanding, that uh, new Jerusalem, that river of life that you have described in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, Lord, we, we know that these things are trustworthy and true. They will come to pass. We may not understand how you will do it. We may not understand when they are going to happen. But we know, Lord, that whatever you have said, you are going to do. And Lord, we pray that while we are alive, while we are here in this earth, Lord, do with each and every one of us according to your perfect will. Like you have given us promises, Lord, on an individual base, Lord, let these promises become reality in our lives. Because you are not a God who is indifferent to us or to our needs. But Lord, you are a savior. You are a redeemer. You are a God who helps us through in every situation of our lives. So Lord, we lift up your holy name. We say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what we can see in your life. You were born 2,000 years ago, and yet you were the one of old, the one who was even long before. You came into this world and you became like a human being with flesh and blood to carry away our sin and redeem us from our futile way of life. So Lord Jesus, I pray, may you help all of us to walk in your footsteps, trust you, trust your word in every way. In the name of the Lord, I pray. At this moment in time, I want to, while we are still praying, I want to just ask. I, I, feel, I feel there are some here, who are here because it's Sunday. But I want to ask if there's anybody here who has not given his or her life to Jesus, then I want you to make a decision today. Okay, God's word is reliable. God's word never lies, never cheats us, never leads us astray. God's word is reliable, 100%. Is there anybody here who says, I realize I haven't really walked with Jesus the way I should. Maybe I was like one of those uh, people in Jerusalem who, who have read the Bible, but who haven't a relationship with Jesus, like the people from the East who came to meet with Jesus. If there is anybody here, why don't you just raise your hand and say, Lord Jesus, here I am today. I want to walk with you personally. God speaks to you and me. Okay, you have heard his logos, but I'm very sure that God has given us his rhema as well. God spoke to us personally. And God wants us to personally take his word and put it into practice in our lives. God doesn't want to lose any one of us. The Bible says, you know, he's not delaying things because he doesn't want anyone to be missing out on the future that he has prepared for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for everybody in this place. 
I thank you, Lord, for your rhema word that has come to us today. And I pray, let this rhema word bear fruit in our life. Let this rhema word become reality in every one of our lives. Lord Jesus, you see our hearts. You see the struggle that is going on in our lives. And I commit each and every one, Lord, into your mighty hands, especially those who have heard this rhema word today and realize, Lord, you have speaking to me, spoken to me in a very personal way. Lord, let your blessings be upon them especially and upon all of us in Jesus' mighty name. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.